have Max and Colm. Do you guys want to give yourselves a quick introduction? Yeah, no worries. Uh, my name's Colm. Played dodgeball for ooh, like four or five years now. Um, previously played for Republic of Ireland at the international stage at Euros in Glasgow and Euros in Italy. Uh, this year I was a referee for uh, Newcastle. Okay, um, yeah, I'm Max. Um, obviously, some people know me by now. Um, uh, play, playing, still, still playing dodgeball for Austrian national team and head coaching the women's team, assistant coaching the mixed team. And when there is time left, I'm gonna do the job of being European Dodgeball Federation president, which uh, sometimes is a bit too much, but now it's okay. I suppose as EDF president, you probably had your hands full in the last few months. Uh, yeah, yeah. So it's um, that's true. Yeah, with the Euros, it's always uh, everything comes together, and then uh, if you have multiple roles, then uh, it can be a lot. But somehow it works. It works out all the time, so it's still manageable to some degree. Cool. Yeah. Um, uh, kicking off, what were your guys? Did, what were your guys sort of uh, overall thoughts on Euros? Obviously, Max had a vested interest with uh, with Austria, clearly. And but yeah, what were your what were you guys' overall opinions, takeaways, talking points about Euros? I thought it was the most interesting year. I've I've only seen several international tournaments, but that was the most entertaining Euros to watch from a spectator point of view. Uh, the standard of dodgeball, I thought, raised was raised to a new level, and some of the most unexpected matches, like anybody that predicted uh, the likes of Northern Ireland going twelve and up at halftime against England, anybody that expected that, you would have called crazy. Um, all the finals were top top quality dodgeball. Um. Yeah, it was just it's it's just very entertaining to watch from a ref from a referee, and whenever I had the time just to watch any matches, it was all top quality dodgeball. I really really enjoyed it this year. Uh, yeah, I would just uh, continue this th- this uh, thought. I think um, the the skill level and the quality of dodgeball is still improving by a lot from year to year. So that was really really nice to see, and I'm trying to just focus a bit from the how do you say objective perspective here and not to focus on 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 the austrian side um so uh we already like had or max max metz and and nikki krems already said some few words i guess i I don't know what they said but so that's covered and try to focus a little bit on the on the european side or the general view on it um so this year's euros in comparison to the tournaments before again had an increase in skill increase in um what the players can do on court what the teams are doing from a player level from a tactic level from everything surrounding the teams so that's very very nice to see that there is improvement on almost all ends and yeah i think that improvement led to some surprises where in past tournaments there were not that much surprises um but now it's a bit changing and that's I think very, very good for the spot. Yeah, I'd probably agree with that. I think the probably the thing that stood out for me was the um the improvement in depth in the 
competition. You have well, what I always what I always used to be for from my understanding was England and Austria battling out at the top, Northern Ireland and Scotland kind of hanging on to their coattails, and then that's like the that that top four would be remain like untroubled by anyone else in the pack. But now we've got teams like Sweden, teams like Italy, uh, Republic of Ireland, Wales, trying that are improving at a rate of normal cut for too long. Yeah, I think this this Euros was kind of a combination, um, both with Repub- both with Northern Ireland catching up with the top two and the chasing pack just becoming absolutely relentless in uh, in pursuit. I thought that that's like you say that's set up for a lot of a lot of close games in the group stage, which isn't historically a particularly renowned feature of Euros from my uh, limited knowledge anyway. Yeah, I think I think I think that's a good point. I mean, I think there you see do see some obviously some gaps in in the performance levels and performance skills that that are possible. Like you said, there is like the top, and there is um, with uh, England, with Austria, with Northern Ireland and Scotland. But then there is a little bit of a gap, in my opinion. And then you have the mid the mid teams, but their con- these gaps are closing. And I think that is what makes it interesting to watch. So there is no the um, they're getting closer and closer. And within the midfield, let's—I I, would—I would call it that. Um, there are very interesting matches that arise from that situation. So, if you watch then a game between Wales and Italy, or between uh, Switzerland and Scotland, or whoever, um, you have interesting games which are not predetermined who is going to win. And I think that makes it very, very interesting. Yeah, absolutely. The biggest point you made was that the the gap is closing, and. Yeah. You need to have that strength and depth now in every single squad because if you have the, the the same players playing match after match against those top levels, they're going to get worn out by the time you get to finals day. So like everything becomes more strategical in terms of substitutions, in terms of who your starting six are. Every everything has a, a massive influence. Um, it, it just makes the sport a lot a lot better for the entertainment perspective and the spectators perspective. Yeah, I probably I probably agree with that. I think that. What you what you just said probably resonates quite a lot with Northern Ireland, probably more than more than anyone else. I think that was something they did, or they've been working towards more this year. Is was utilizing the squad depth that they brought, especially early on in the uh, early on in the competition, um, and that ended up paying dividends for them. They looked when they played against England, they looked so much sharper, fresher. They looked like they had way more gears to go into. Um, so yeah, that's uh, yeah, like you say, making it more of a, a squad effort rather than a team effort is is very important. And from a strategic point of view for NI, um, their mixed squad did a lot better because they utilised some of the guys that were playing the men's more, um, yes. and it obviously allowed them to to reach the final. because um, usually I don't believe, I don't remember in Italy the likes of Sean Douglas um, playing in the mixed team. I think they had a completely separate squad for it. Yeah. They, Where now this, they, they, they utilize they utilize their their stronger players in the mix as well. And yeah, but I think if, I'm if, sorry, yeah. no, go ahead. No, I just I just think um that's like the natural um evolvement of the mix is that you gonna put your best players in. And it doesn't have to be that it's it's the same players as the men's or the women's, but it can be. And your squad selection is then determined by okay, I need my best male mixed player in the mix. 
doesn't matter if that is a man player as well or if it's not a man player could be could be not um but i think every team has now embraced that kind of approach for the mix to be a yeah. totally equal competition and they're gonna set up and put in the best players they have and that i think led to the fact that northern ireland for instance um uh, could reach the final because they put in the best players they had and they competed on the highest level and then the, the then had the success with this outcome so um i think it's very positive development for the sport in general yeah absolutely agree i, I think they show that if you change your approach to to how you, how you basically t- approach the squad for for the European Championships, you can see massive improvements. Yeah, and I think that's not necessarily limited to the to the men's side either. And no, then, absolutely not. Yeah, putting that putting in women that can do very do very very well in mixed is an incredible asset as well. I think that's reflected quite well with teams like Italy, where they um, they they clearly have very strong men, but their women are the like the unsung heroes of their of their mixed team, there's no no easy hits in that in that. Yeah. No, it's that that the women what they do really really well is stay alive and wait for that catch to come in that changes yeah. the but game it's, around. It's, it's it's just not the catch. I mean, it's like if you if you look at the mixed in particular, the women are the key because at absolutely the end, agree. At the end, there is no set where in the end it's three men against three men. It's yep. just not. So if you have the better women in your team, if you have, um, focus on that, then you have an advantage in the end game always, and that's where the sets are decided. So you have to have the best women in the mix for sure. So that's that's what we set out as as our perspective, and what we said. Okay, we cannot do. Yeah, we're gonna put we're gonna put the best women just playing the women's, and we bring some other players with the just for the mix. It's not the right approach, in my opinion. And yeah, so yeah. I 100% agree with that. Um, yeah, I think... No, sorry, go on. No, I was just going to say, you know, the women... Well, what I've seen, what a lot of the women try to do is is just stay alive so that they can change the game where possible. And I find a lot of them... A lot of the teams seem to be working on the the timing of the group throws, which is a thought, looking at Italy, a lot of teams seem to struggle with in the mixed division, whereas this year, um, they were taking out some of the best dodgers and throwers and teams with the women's group throwing. Yeah, yeah. for sure. So that's definitely you have to have women capable of of good throwing, because mm-hmm. again, if you if you play the mixed, it's it doesn't take long, and you don't have the three male players on court because obviously they're the targets yeah. at first. So what happens then? You have two two male players and three or two it doesn't matter how many women, and you get three or four boys. So they have to be um, they have to be throwers as well, and then they have to have the skill to throw with men with a double or with a triple throw, they have to throw alone and not being caught, uh, make hits. That's also important. So I think it's it's far away from, from the perspective to say the women in mix are just there to make catches in the end. It's it's far more than that. And, and that's the key, in, in my opinion, to how to play the mix. Yeah, Agreed. completely agree. Yeah, I think that's probably, yeah, again, it's probably half back to the point I said already. That's like historically, that's, it's probably no coincidence that teams that do well in the women's tend to do well in the mixed and vice versa. I mean, probably with Austria and as an aside, it has the top of the chasing pack, teams like, teams like Italy, teams like Northern Ireland, teams like Wales and so on. Teams with the strong women tend to 
or tend to be strong in the mixed anyway. Yeah. So how was how was refing Colm? Uh, yeah, what was the experience of being there not as a player? It was weird. This is the first time going not being a player. So <laughs> it was very... I would have loved to have played um, and hopefully will next time. But it was very interesting being the referee on court because every match, as we said, like the standard has gone so high and you don't know what's happening. Every match is very tense and very tight. Um, so every having the pressure of every decision, having a real impact on a game, um, it's quite nerve-wracking, to be honest. <laughs> Especially in, uh, you know, you've got your... The, the knockout games where both teams, or you find every team just kind of like steps up another gear. Um, the fast pace of the game as well, you're relying on everybody around you to see to see everything, and it's quite difficult to do. Because <laughs> I've uh, bit, uh, put my hands up, you know, I've never uh, refereed uh, like an international tournament or an, a national tournament either. Um, so that was my first time. So it was a very interesting experience. Very long days, very mentally tiring days, but uh, very, very well worth it. And you got to see some top quality dodgeball, which I must say was very enjoyable for my part. Yeah, well, I think, I think the, the whole... Everybody who worked as a referee at this Euros um, was, again, same as the players and, and, and the teams, an improvement. So we, we, we've been around for Euros so for six years now. So I can, I can honestly say there, there has been tournaments that were not that well organized in terms of refereeing before. So, but yeah, it's, it's a step up again. And I think... There will never be a hundred percent in in dodgeball refereeing to to see everything because it's just the the nature of the game. I mean, it's the only sport in the world where you play with uh, five balls at the same time. Mm -hmm. uh, imagine playing football with five balls, playing volleyball with five balls. If you imagine that, a referee wouldn't wouldn't be able to see everything there. So that's the uniqueness of the game, and that's that somehow needs to be managed and. On the one hand, you have the referees and the system and the line refs and the assistant refs and, and whatnot. But on the other hand, it relies heavily on, on fair play of the players yeah. um, just because of the setup of the sport. And uh, that's the second point I wanted to make is I do feel there is also improvement in that area, um, continuous improvement. So from our perspective, how I personally experienced it um, was a big step up. We did get some complaints here and there about potentially not fair play or potentially this player or that player, but uh, it was very, very, very little in comparison to, to tournaments before. And as a referee, you see some moments where you think a ball has gone past the player without being anywhere near them, and you can see them by put their hands up to go out. Like it's, it's really nice to see that it doesn't always have to be that a referee has to call you out for a player to walk out. Like The, the fair play and honesty in over the tournament um, as a referee saying it um, was very much appreciated and it obviously makes everybody's day a lot easier, you know. Yeah, I'd agree. But particularly in, like you were saying, in the the fact that there were loads and loads of close games over the, the entire Euros, for the fact that people, for people to maintain their, uh, their own higher standards and show dignity and integrity to the 
to the refs and to the opponents. Um, yeah. Sport as a whole was really commendable across the board. No, you have to, but because it's like, well, I was I was always tell the guys or what we discuss all the time uh, when we talk about this is it's it's a matter of respect um, because if you get hit even the slightest hit if it's like I don't know just on your clothes or just on your toe or just on your hair uh, you have to give respect to the player who who threw the ball or he made who made the play to say okay you you got me uh, I have to go out because that's the respect you have to show. Um, to your opponent, and I think this is the most important thing um, for the players and for the people to realize about this sport and about what dodgeball represents or should represent. Yeah, I hundred percent agree with that. Yeah, so I suppose going back to the actual the actual dodgeball itself, what um, what te- what teams surprised you? What teams um, caught your eye a little bit? Should I, should I go first? Yeah, take it away. <laughs> um, well, there were a couple of teams that did surprise me. Um, first and foremost, which might not be obvious, uh, was Wales. So we didn't know much about Wales because or the Welsh team. It was there were troubles in the past and new players coming in and uh, new management coming in and British Dodgeball setting the whole Welsh system uh, up new. So we didn't know what to expect, but we we got into our games against them with okay it's going to be a new team it's going to be new players maybe not so experienced players that should be should be doable to a certain extent but they really played great dodgeball so they surprised us very very much and their results in the end obviously um underlined that and and proved that that is just not um i mean they took they took fourth in the women's uh, what was it? Sevens in the men's, I guess. I'm not sure. Six in the mixed, yeah. yeah. Six in the mixed, yeah. So that was a huge surprise to me to say, okay, you have basically not known players on an international stage, but very well educated, very well um, uh, um, drilled. So that was a, a big surprise. Um, the second surprise, obviously, for me was that the dominance of England was broken. But not just not just by us, not just by Austria, but by Northern Ireland as well. And like Corm said in the beginning, the Northern Ireland uh, England men's semi final was incredible, incredible, uh, especially the first half, um, which I was not expecting at all. Um, so those were for me the two biggest surprises, and then some some minor ones. I thought maybe um, Switzerland would be a bit better. Um, but they had a tough, a tough drawing, and they had tough games to to go through. Um, and I thought, what was the, the last part? Um, yeah, I thought that uh, Italy would make uh, a stronger impression in the in the men's. That I thought they would be competing for the top three, but they didn't. So that would be that would be for me. I thought Italy were very unlucky in the men's division. Um, it was against Scotland. I think they got knocked out. Um, yeah, in the quarterfinal. That, that was, was a that very was a close game. That was a very, very close, very good game. Um. So yeah, it it that that could have went either way. You could have easily have seen Italy go on to okay. Um. Mm, to no, top, I haven't to seen that three. one. I, I think we played the same time. No, I'm not sure. Yeah, you, you did. I think you were against uh, Ireland at, Ireland, the, at yeah. that time. Yeah. Um. 
so yeah, Italy, Italy, Italy after that game easily could have went on to to yeah. go to go well, top I ex- three. I ex- when we saw the draw, I expected them to go through against Scotland. Also, again with uh, Scotland not having like three or four players that they had before in the previous tournaments, mm-hmm. um, which made huge differences. And I thought, okay, with that players missing, uh, Italy should go through. But okay. Um, I suppose you could probably bra- uh, bracket Scotland under the um, the same yeah. decent drilled, um, but still fresh faced as you did with Wales. So I think there's, yeah, a, okay. there's probably enough uh, experience still left within that Scottish team for them to be a force to be reckoned with. And um, and yeah, like you say, the, the Scottish guys have been training with the high quality players that you've mentioned for a number of years now. So it's they're, they're still a force to be reckoned with. I appreciate that on the surface they don't look anywhere near as uh, fearsome as they did as they did before. Um, but yeah, I think going back to going back to the Italy point, the fact they did yes, they were unlucky with their um, their knockout against Scotland, but then for the playoffs between fifth and eighth, they did um, they did decimate uh, Ireland and Sweden in their two playoff games. So mm-hmm. I think they were yeah they. I think they're one to keep an eye on because I think uh, top four is very attainable for them next next Euros. Yeah, I think so as well. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm I'm on the same side, so uh, I expect <laughs> them to be the top four in, in this tournament. So, but yeah, it's it's close. Yeah, it's, no, I was a- almost I was, top four. <laughs> yeah, I was I was surprised also to see the to see how tight the Scotland game was, but it was so I was I was actually in the stands watching that and the Austria Ireland game and. Uh, I thought Scotland gave them a very, very good game. Um, mm-hmm. It's definitely one to watch back, um, I, I would say. I uh, also agree that uh, Wales really, really surprised me, um, especially the women. Um, I refereed the Wales versus NI game that went down to, was it an overtime set, I think? Uh, or it, was yeah. down, it was down to the very last set anyway, I yeah. remember. Um, and it was the, the quality on both sides was absolutely outstanding. And the women... You know, you've got the likes of Hannah Ward who literally put her body on the line to to try and see wheels through. Um, <laughs> you know, the commitment from all the women in that team definitely showed and that's why you're able to put up a great fight against some of the top quality nations that uh, that turned up, you know. Um, the men as well looked very, very disciplined, um, good, strong throwers, uh, great catchers. You know, you, every match I've seen of them, uh, gave everybody a really, really good game, and they're definitely with it, especially with the new coaches uh, that are in place. You know, likes of uh, Benbridge, Spike, and uh, Catherine, and Phil as well. I think. Yeah. Um. You know, that's that's a country definitely to watch out for at the next Euros whenever they've got the proper time with the team in place. You know, and I'm I'm a I'd a, wouldn't be surprised to see another couple of new faces join the squad. Yeah, we're hopeful. I think. Uh, yeah, sort of. Slight, slight um, niggling, like you say, with um, uh, Glasgow Euros, especially where we, where we didn't play well, Paris Euros before that, etc. Means our ranking has not been, not been particularly kind to us in any category other than the mixed. But, uh, um, but yeah, that'll be an interesting one next season. Yeah, probably, probably a team that surprised me. Um, probably was Republic of Ireland. Um, again, I think. Having having seen them play, probably with the three faces in England that I recognise in Colm, Dave, and Rob Kearns, now now no longer um, playing for them this year, as I did not expect their men to be quite as uh, 
quite as tough as quite a tough a nut to crack as they were in the end. But they they gave us a right run for our money late on. Um, but I think probably I was expecting more from the Irish women. Uh, I think they I think they probably came away from Euros feeling a little bit a little bit hard done by. Um, yeah, but if you look at the women's competition, I think there the gaps are 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 much closer uh, when you when you when you go down down the the result list, and if you look at like I don't know um, the places, let's say from from third to to eleventh, uh, if you pick those matches, there there are not many matches that are predetermined um, to say who is going to win in the beginning, and yeah, that's going to be. Um, so from a women's end, I think the women's game has improved faster than than it might be in, in the men's or in the mixed competition, um, which led to the fact that that you 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 don't know who's gonna win. If you look at Czech versus Netherlands, if you look at Northern Ireland versus Sweden, uh, Ireland versus France, you cannot say who's gonna win. And I think that is the main takeaway for for me from from that competition to see one year progress within all the nations um and and having really really close games and i think that's great and eventually if they put enough time in it if they put enough effort into it then they're gonna close up on the gaps to the top teams yeah? and then it's not maybe not predetermined uh if uh, netherlands play england or if uh, wales plays austria or if italy plays whoever so yeah, I'm I'm really, really positive about that development. Yeah, and it makes for a very entertaining um for the for the spectators, you know, is that every every match is gonna be on determined now. And uh speaking about uh, Republic of Ireland, um the I was watch I thought I thought Ireland gave both Wales and Austria a really good game. Um I've I've trained with most of the most of the new guys in the squad before, and um, I even I wasn't expecting them to do as well as they were, but they were very well disciplined. Um, I thought uh, Tyler McBride, especially um, who has a bit of an unorthodox yeah. style of play, was fantastic. Um, took catches left, right, and center. His throwing was was on point the entire tournament. Um, he really really surprised me, and in the Six months since I last trained with them, um, every single person in that Ireland squad, um, the men especially, had stepped it up a gear, and it really showed um, in Newcastle. For sure, yeah. Yeah, so I suppose with, uh, with the teams developing at such a rate, um, trying to predict next Euros is going to be a bit of a, a, bit of a tough one, but what, <laughs> what, are your, what are your expectations for next Euros? Uh, what, who are the team? Who are the teams to look out for? Who do you think's in with the shout? Um. Yeah. Well, if you if you if you take into account the the development that has happened, um, if you look year to year, um, there are not that much changes uh, to see. Uh, I don't know. Like, if you place tenth last year, then next year you're gonna be second. So that's not gonna happen, um, because the time frame is a bit too short. Um, but there are potential for for closing uh for gap closing for coming nearer and nearer to your opponents that are just a bit far away from you so that i would expect to to have tough group tougher even tougher group games closer group games closer quarterfinals semifinals and that 
Um, I wouldn't say I would expect too much of the changing of the top three or four nations at the moment. Um, that I think will probably be be the same. Um, yeah, and I will, see, I will be personally. I will be very interested to see what uh, what England comes up with next year um, because we gave him something to think to think about. So let's see if they can find the answer to what to the question we asked this year. Laying down the gauntlet already. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've been kind of on that point. I think um, yeah. England were given something to think about after the World Cup um, most recently. And yeah. think, thinking that this year is, is the first um, like sizable tournament that they'll have entered since that. And... Yeah, they weren't able to find the answer to it just then. So it's, yeah, I agree. It will be interesting to see what they, how they do, approach it in the next, in the next yeah. coming months. Well, I, the thing that we always did, and that's new, and that was uh, obviously for us was great, um, is to see. Okay, we 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 learned from them. We learned from them very very much. We watched everything we took our experience that we had in the games against them we watched i don't know how many videos we've seen um with the training staff with the teams over and over again to 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 get to know what 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 they're doing and to develop a, a counter strategy to what this team makes them or has made them the best so far and it seems that it had worked to find something to do against their strategy because every strategy has a counter strategy. There is no unbeatable strategy. If you compare it to football, yeah, you have Barcelona with their huge amount of passing uh, and their tiki-taka style of play, but there is a counter strategy to that. So other teams like Real Madrid or the English teams, they see that and they develop a counter strategy and then they can beat them again. So we now finally made it to 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 have done the almost impossible to say we have the the we learned from the best team and, and found a way to beat them but now they're going to develop a new strategy and try to count the way we played or the, uh, the approach we had to the game so that's for me i think the most interesting i'm looking forward to to see what process this tournament has enabled for for the nations and especially for england and and to see what they're going to come up with and uh, what we're going to do against that um, in the next tournament. I think it's going to be really, really interesting to see. So do you think England failed to adapt against their opponents? Uh, against I do think so. Of... I do I... think so, because the, the, the one proof of that is that uh, Northern Ireland plays, played a similar style than we did. And that's why we had it so tough against them in the group. I mean, we just won by two sets, which could have been either a draw or one win by two sets. It came down to the last set. And we're, we were behind the whole game. So we didn't. We were just chasing and chasing and chasing. And we had a close final. So because that's what we do in our games, Northern Ireland and Austria, is adaptation and counter-strategy and try to do something unexpected, what the opponent is not... Um, thinking about and I didn't see that with England um, when we didn't play them in the men's but I didn't see it in the women's game and I didn't see it in the mixed game which was my analysis of, of why we could manage to win it um, so yeah it's just I look at the uh, the NI versus England men game and in the first half I'd say at least half the sets 
England, England was up. Yeah, they were three, in front. Three, three yeah. players up. Like, yeah. But then they did. Then they did something unexpected, or they they made a catch where you shouldn't supposed to to try to do a catch, or they were countering. There was one set I remember where they, I don't know if they were long two five or two six, and they came to two two just by using counter throws. Uh, yeah. Just for back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. Ah, it's two two again, and that's not good. I mean, if you have a five two or six two lead. Then you're not supposed to lose that set. Um, so yeah, I think you have to have acknowledged that variation. And I'm not sure if every, everything is intentional uh, in everyone's games. Because you can never say for sure. But it looked a lot of the things looked very intentional to me from the outside. But you have to talk to the Norwich Irish guys to really to really find out. I think I think for me, you probably you probably really hit the nail. Up. I think. Having having watched that, um, both the Austrian Northern Ireland games and the Northern Ireland England game in the men's at the least, um, I think the the main thing that Austria and Northern Ireland have over have had over England is just the ability to stay alive more so than that England team. I think that was epitomised in the sets that you described where. You can be two five up, but as soon as you get one or two cheap outs, the momentum's with the side that may still be down on players, but um, but are bringing it back. And England just didn't really have an answer to that, um, which is which is rare. But it's also rare that the players end up being out that deeply at um, a stage where they would have been so comfortable. So yeah, it's a it's a, it's a it's a it's a tough nut to crack for the England coaches for sure. It's an interesting one. It's a very interesting one. I don't think I can't remember a time that England have ever been in this position before. No, there was not. The this situation is unprecedented. So, and that's I think what makes it so interesting uh, to see. Okay, yeah. we put them in a new situation, and we'll see how how they can come out of this. And I'm fairly certain they will come out strong, and they will come out. Um, with 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 fire and fury in the next tournament, um, to to try to 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 make up for that for the results that that um, they had this tournament, and uh, it's gonna be the the result of it will gonna be amazing dodgeball games for everybody, and that's the good part. I suppose the uh, the flip side to that is yes, England had never been in this situation before. But then again, it's probably fair to say that neither Austria nor Northern Ireland have been in this situation before. No, that, that's true. So for us, yeah. for Austria, it's it's a completely new situation to say, okay, we don't have to chase anyone anymore because we are now the ones who, the, the, that are going to be chased. Um, and Northern Ireland has now uh, um, a position or a role to say, okay, look, now the others are trying to beat us and, and, and they try to catch up to us and, and we try. we want to remain the distance that we have in, in terms of skill and in terms of quality. and But that's only good. I mean, everybody can learn from one another. And the Welsh, the Welsh people will say, okay, we're going to watch the Northern Ireland games. What did, what did they better than we did? And learn from that. Same as we did. And all the other nations will do the same. I mean, if you look at the Czech guys who finished fourth in 2018 in the men's, but now finished 10th. They were like, okay, maybe we have to, to look at the other teams, what, what they are doing better than, than we're doing at the moment. 
and they're going to implement certain stuff, bring new ideas, bring own ideas, train, and it will get better and better. And at the end of the line, there's, uh, I don't know, very, very good dodgeball games. Yeah, I suppose. Uh, do you have any? Uh, do you have any words about um, just sort of taking a step back from the actual dodgeball? Do you have any words about the state steps that EDF are going in um, in general? Um, yeah, sure. What what exactly? I mean, it's a broad issue. Yeah. Let's talk. Let's talk about WDF to start with. Um, uh... Yeah, um, cool. Um, yeah, WDBF. So uh, we're all very, very excited um, to see what what uh, we can work out with the WDBF in terms of world competitions, in terms of uh, other formats that might pop up to say it doesn't have to be just there is the world championships. It's held, I don't know, every two years, every year, every three years. It's not decided yet, but um uh, that's happening but there are other projects so wdbf is very very eager to to find competitions in the in the global sport community and uh, organizations to work with in the global community that will also try to help dodgeball to grow and to to become a recognized sport all, all over the world for instance uh the world games or the youth games or the university aid or stuff like that so they're reaching out to to all these existing sporting events um, to introduce dodgeball to and i think that will be a, a major step in in a global perspective so there is um, a lot of interesting project on the horizon nothing is set in stone yet so we're expecting that to start around 2020 2021 um, to have more competitions on a global level um, but yeah then the second part is to 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 establish uh, the current formats that we have in a way that there are uh, properly funded, that they're all easy access, um, that everybody can take part and, and, and take experiences and motivations from those tournaments. Um, that's where WDBF has the same viewpoints as we do um, in Europe and that what made it obvious that we should work together from from a organizing level. And yeah, they're in they're very interested in in what we do uh, with uh, our way of play, with our system, uh, our cloth bars, our blue sets, our tournaments, our competitions. Um, so we will see how how well that that's gonna spread around the globe, um, and then we will see what foam does and and their competitions and their rule sets and their idea of of what's dodgeball and. Um, we had it one tournament before with the Atlantic Cup where that worked perfectly alongside and the next World Championship is going to be two formats as well. So I think it's just going to get bigger and uh, yeah, and the next step is to put to, um, to be in the media and to be, I don't know, on streams, on televisions, on networks um, to make it available for everybody to see the sport and uh, expand the community and if that all works, then I don't know what's going to happen because <laughs> then then a lot of things could happen and then we'll have to see. But yeah, the basic plan is step by step and try to achieve as many goals as we set out. Oh, that's very exciting, I suppose. Um, so uh, from, a, from a European perspective, yeah. uh, now, that we are, now that we're now part of the WDBF, 
does much change with the exception of um, qualifying for world championships being slightly different with Team GB and stuff like that? Yeah, so in general, it's not going to be that different than before. I mean, we were going to use the European Championships as the qualification tournament for the World Championships. At least that's the setup that we proposed, and that's probably going to be ratified pretty soon um, to have that through one competition because we don't have the capacity to make, I don't know, more competitions, like add another qualification tournament or add this or add that. So we should basically said we should use the current things that we established. Um, so that's pretty much um, done to say, okay, Euro is going to be for the for the next World Tournaments, the qualifier um, every time. As far as Britain is concerned, I mean, the short answer, it's complicated. And the uh, slightly longer answer is it's very, very complicated. <laughs> <laughs> um, because, right, yeah, it's... it's no, it's true. I mean, I've I've researched it now for quite a bit, and I've talked to people from your country. I'm sorry to say, who don't even know and don't cannot explain to me if England or Wales or Scotland are sovereign countries or not. <laughs> <laughs> so that's that's a problem. Uh, if your own people that live there cannot clarify that for me, but yeah, it's it's a compromise at the moment. That that much I can tell you. So I th I see very very many benefits in having the four home nations compete on a continental european level just as where the sport is at the moment and how the competitions go and it's good to have those four teams who have a high skill of, of dodgeball be four teams and not just one so that's for us in european dodgeball um there's not gonna be changes to that for the foreseeable future that that much i can say to say we're gonna have the european championships and the northern european championships played with the four home nation teams on a world level, it's different. I mean, then it gets political. It gets uh, complicated. And uh, that's where I want to draw the line here because, again, it's not my decision to make. It's up to British Dodgeball as the member organization and the um, organization that regulates the sport within Great Britain and in, com in combination with the World Dodgeball Federation who then hosts tournaments and says, okay, uh, whoever team or nation or region uh can can have a team or can qualify so it's up to them both they have to figure it out uh for us we made a compromise decision we said okay british dodgeball is our member organization and is allowed to send four home nation teams for us it works um so i'm always against uh i don't know ripping something apart that works because why should you <laughs> yeah agreed. Um, uh yeah so that's basically where we stand on the british situation um, sorry, I cannot give you a hundred percent solution. No, that's okay. I think <laughs> yeah. I, I appreciate that the the sort of ultimate aim to have a GB team um, competing on a world stage is well, ideally for an Olympic bid or whatever it may be. Yeah. Um, I think that having the team uh, in an extent is a step in the right direction. But I agree with I agree with what you said in that trying to introduce it to the European space it feels like uh, a dilution of the competition but just yeah. necessary or viable at this yeah well, well look if you look at from a from a from an organizing perspective or if you look at from i don't know a business side if you will say so what do you do if you don't have the answer to a subject you look around for other people who to find comparisons maybe other other groups of people had the same problem and found a solution and you copy the solution right that's a very simple approach to it 
So mm. if you look in our case for to other sports, how they're handling the British situation, the answer is it's different. Uh, football does it differently than hockey, it, uh, than basketball, than rugby, than cricket, whatever. Yeah. You have different approaches to say how Britain or the British regions are competing in international sporting events. So again you come back to the main to the main thing i said it's complicated <laughs> so if if our goal is to say we're trying to focus 100% on the olympic path at some point in time it has to be looked at the gp solution but how far is that away does it have necessarily to be that if you say an olympic participation is 30 years away that we have to implement the team gp next year does that make sense? Or if you say the Olympic participation is 14 years away, do we have to implement such thing as Team GB in three years' time? So that kind of, I don't know, um, thought process to say what works best is tricky. Uh, you have to weigh one against the other. And yeah, from a European standpoint, I mean, yeah, we can make the decisions on our own, which is uh, nice <laughs> to say we still have uh, independence uh, as an organization and we we choose to say for us it's good to have the four home nations and that's why we're going to keep it very interesting actually thank you very much for that no problem <laughs> any more for any more I think that's pretty much does it for anything I wanted to talk about yeah so well maybe as, as the last word so I think um, what we didn't mention the, in the conversation, uh, which I would like to point out at the end, um, is that we are very um, happy with also the new teams that competed in, in, yeah. in the Euros. So obviously it's tough for a new team in this format to say, okay, we never play, have never played an international tournament and then we're going to come in and we have tough group games against the top teams. Um, it's, it's hard, yeah? like for the Spanish guys who, who participated the first time or the Croatians. For them, it was the second tournament. They did one CSC before, or for Belgium, who had just the second tournament, um, to say, okay, we're going to go there. We probably get beaten pretty rough in the group games against the top nations, but uh, they they impressed me, really, like all of them, to say, yeah, that's okay. They're better. It's the first time, or it's our second time. But then they really had great games in their positioning playoffs. Um, where they faced off like opponents that are more or less equal and that lifted everyone's spirit and I think they had great games and they had a good takeaway from the Euros as well and uh, um, from an organiza organizational or continental perspective we're really really happy to, 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 to have growth in that area to, that new nations are popping up new people are getting involved and that they are coming and competing and they will returning better and better each year and, and closing the gap from, from, from underneath. So I fully expect Croatia to do uh, very, very better next year because they're very determined. And I'm really interested to see where Spain is going, where Belgium is going. And yeah, I just wanted to give them a shout out as well. Yeah, great. Good shout. All right, perfect. I think yeah. We'll call it a day there then, guys. Thanks a lot for your time. And yeah, I feel like that was a really good session. Thanks. Yeah, um, really enjoyed it. Thanks for having me. Good. Thanks. Bye-bye. Good night. Take, Take care. Bye. Thanks. Bye. Hi, everyone. Hope you've been enjoying Sam's series of interviews about Euros 2019. 
Um, as you know, I quite like talking, so I just thought I'd add a few little bits explaining exactly what's going on with the absolute mess that is the UK, GB, and generally the geography of where we live. So essentially, it all gets very confusing because we always refer to the overarching national team as GB, which stands for Great Britain. However, the name of the actual nation state um, which or sovereign nation where we live is the United Kingdom of Great Britain and Northern Ireland. So that includes Northern Ireland, Scotland, Wales and England. The Great Britain itself is actually just the big island which houses most of England, Wales and Scotland. So it doesn't include anything from Northern Ireland or indeed the Isle of Wight, the Hebrides and anything like that. The geopolitics of the UK is pretty complicated because it also includes places like uh, the Isle of Man and the Channel Islands, which aren't actually part of the UK. They're what we call crown dependencies. And then, of course, we've got um, overseas territories and places in the Commonwealth, and it all just gets a bit messy. But essentially, what you need to know is we have one overarching government over the UK, which covers England, Scotland, Northern Ireland and Wales. Um, we do, as um, Max so rightly puts it, have a number of different ways that we compete in international competition, which further complicates things because only Wales and Scotland actually have their own distinct national anthems, which are Land of Our Fathers and the Flower, O Flower of Scotland, respectively. England and Northern Ireland often use God Save the Queen, but actually they shouldn't because this is the UK or indeed GB national anthem rather than the ones for their individual sort of nation states, if you will. So I hope that's cleared that up for certain people. Long story short, it's the United Kingdom of Great Britain and Northern Ireland, often abbreviated somewhat confusingly to GB, which comprises all four nations. We shouldn't actually enter anything necessarily as the four individual states because we don't have the overarching government to make the nation covers the UK, whereas we have devoluted local government in the same way that the US has state government for the individual countries. I don't know if I've actually helped anyone with that. I just thought I'd interject and explain the terminology. So next time you see the word GB, just remember it actually means UK. And next time you see England, just feel sorry for us because we don't have our own national anthem. Tune in soon for more episodes with the four of us back talking about UK stuff. And Sam's got some more episodes talking about Euros coming up soon. Bye, guys.